0: Hi everyone, this is Dr. Tracy Jones, and welcome to Throwback Thursday, where we uncover some speeches that my father gave from the tremendous archives. Today's clip is part three of three from my very favorite speech that he ever gave called A Key to Excellence. And in it, my father really goes deep into how he became so tremendous, and that was through his lifelong love affair of books. I hope you enjoy. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Because a selfless, dedicated politician gave his life to making that town what it is. And I saw always throwing something good like that. Now, one other thing I got to tell you I'm learning, share with you. I've been learning over the years. I've got my doubts about a man who says he puts his work ahead of his family. And I got my doubts about a man who says he puts his family ahead of his work. Now, I'll tell you Why? Over the years, I've watched people who talk about what to put first usually don't put anything first but themselves and use what they say they put first as an excuse to get out of doing what they should have done. I've been learning you can't be better with your work the right way without being better with your family, and you can't be better with your family the right way without being better with the work that complement each other. Many of you have got my book. I hope you did. You know why that book, Life is Tremendous, sold over a million copies? Well, I'll tell you one reason it didn't. Not not on leadership. We talk about the seven laws of leadership. That's not it. It's not a book on decision-making. We talk about decision-making. Do you know what the book's about? It's a basic down-to-earth book showing how Jeffrey taught me when I taught him how to sell greeting cards at age six, chapter six on motivation. When I taught Jeffrey how to sell greeting cards at six to earn his spending money, he taught me more about selling than any course I've ever taken. Jerry, when he went to college, he taught me more about growing as a person and reaching people's hearts with truth that was already there. This book is just a book showing how my children taught me more about managing and recruiting than any course I've ever took, and my work taught me more about my family than any psychology I've ever read. So when you hear me talk to a group, whether I have a half hour or three hours, you'll hear me talk about Gloria. My kids, I mentioned already, we've got six kids. Perhaps you ought to know, they're all boys, except four. (laughs) And... We have them all ages. We have them all ages. We have one boy working on a doctorate in chemistry. Have another son who's in Dallas, works for TI. He's an engineer. Have a young daughter, Tracy. This is her third week as a, as a, at the Air Force Academy. Dreams of being an astronaut. I have another one, graduated magna cum laude. How about that? When I ever graduated from anything, it was, laude. how come? Well, <laughs> well, we've got kids in college, high school. I tell people I'm afraid to call home and ask, what's new? <laughs> well, now years ago, When we started having a family, I had a bad habit of listening. You thought it was a good habit. You're wrong. Listening is a very bad habit unless you're learning how to listen less and think more. If you want to, you want to. What's killing America more than politics? TV that taught us how to quit reading and start watching, how to start listening and quit thinking how to sit in the same room and act like you're together when you're a thousand miles apart. Now, I'm not talking about press TV. I'm talking about the art of listening less and thinking more. Daniel Boorstin has a great line in this book called Democracy and His Discontent. Boorstin said, the reason the old Puritans could never be disillusioned was for the simple reason they never suffered from any illusions. It's a great line. The next time you're panicking with disillusionment, ask who sets you up who it was that was thinking and memorizing rather than thinking and realizing. Galileo said it best, you don't teach people something new. Help them discover the truth they know and let them live it out. Of course you listen. And my dear friend, don't you give me this listening nonsense because you become a master listener, you'll memorize it and act it out and work on them. When you think, you realize and live it out. What a difference. So keep on listening, but make sure you listen less and think more. Don't listen more and think less. Now, I'm guilty. I was always listening. People would say to me, God has given you these children for you to teach them. That sounded great to me. So like every dad, I began teaching them. The only trouble was what I tried to teach them, the less those boneheads seemed to learn. <laughs> then one day I got to thinking, what happens when you think? I began to see things are like they are. One day I got to thinking, and I saw God never gave my kids to me for me to teach them. He gave me to them for them to teach me. And All right, kids. All right, kids. I can hardly wait for you to grow up and get some kids of your own. So your kids can start teaching you what you're teaching me. Because so far, this is all but one-sided. You know, what good that do? Does no good at all. Just help me live with the problem. And what is driving Americans nuts? We think you get rid of problems. You don't get rid of problems. You build on problems. You create problems. Every time I pick up the phone, the guy says, I got a program going to solve all your problems. Only going to be $10,000. I said, that solves your problem. How about mine? I came into my office, they're waiting on me. I got a problem. Well, sure, you got a problem. You're not dead. He said, would you help me with my problem? I said, you wait your turn, I'm done with mine. No. You say, well, I bet you didn't help your people talking like that. I help my people more when I talk like this. Then years ago when I sat in my office, I let them think that I was God number two. And all you had to do was come in and I put sprinkles of whipping poof dust on you. You go back into the field and fail more gracefully. Now I want my kids to have to know that problems are a way of life. I don't like it either! You say, do you believe all these things you're saying? Sort of. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (sighs) I've done you enough damage, I may as well quit now. But I want to close. Jim Tunney said something yesterday, and in fact, Don Thorne took off on it a minute ago, too. I wish I could take Hours and hours on my favorite subject, the power of books, the power of books. Heard this statement years ago, almost 30 years ago, and I say it every day of my life now. I love to say it again today. Truth never gets old. It gets more real and fresh every day of your life. You are the same today. You're going to be five years from now except for two things. The people you meet in the books you read, the people you meet in the books you read. Hang around thinkers, you will be a better thinker. Hang around achievers, you'll be a better achievers. Hang around givers, you will be a better giver. Hang around a bunch of thumb-sucking, complaining, gripping boneheads, and you'll be a better thumbsucking, complaining, gripping bonehead. <laughs> now there's only one trouble. Hey folks, let me tell you something. There's only one trouble with great people. When you leave here today, you can't take Charlie Plum home. And I'll tell you this. Charlie Plum's book is laying out there. And if you thought you enjoyed Charlie Plum today, wait till you get home tonight or next week and your heart's aching a little bit and you need to be refreshed. You sit down and read that book. You'll love him and you'll know him and you'll understand it and you'll see so many things you didn't see today in a book. You enjoyed Patty Fripp? You ain't seen nothing. Wait till well, you take the book home and read it, The Power of a Book. Don Thorne mentioned the common denominator. Here it is. This has been my calling card for years. I don't have business cards. You say, why not? Because I'm sensitive and it hurts me when they throw my card away. (laughs) (laughs) I just can't. I don't know what's wrong with me, but I can't stand rejection. But anyway, they don't throw this away. That's what I give them. The common denominator. And let me say it again. Don said it. Let me say it another way. Successful people have something in common with failures. You know what it is? They hate to do the same things. The only difference between a success and a failure is successful people make themselves do what they hate to do and the failure wish for the manager to make them do it. You know who needs to read this? Me. Yeah, how about you? How do I know it's personal? <laughs> and I want to make the point, because no matter how much I talk about books, there'll be somebody going out that door today saying, you will never make me read a book. You're right! And I discovered you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink, but you can put some salt in his oats. Make him thirsty. <laughs> man. Wait, wait, wait. Right here, got to hurry now, right here in Phoenix is a wonderful man named Ogmandino. You all have most of his books. It's funny how many of you missed this one. The University of Success. Mandino took the 50 greatest books he had ever read on motivation, put one chapter of each of the 50 greatest books in one book, you can buy the 50 greatest chapters from the 50 greatest books selected by the number one author on motivation in the world for less than $10. And yet the average person who wants to be successful will say, well, if the manager don't buy it for me, I'll never read it. You <laughs> <laughs> managers. Now, the book list is out on the table for you. The book list is out there. Patton's principles for managers who mean it. Patton says if everybody's thinking alike, somebody ain't thinking. I like that, huh? <laughs> Patterns of success is not how high did you reach. Success is how high do you bounce when you hit the bottom. Mm. Well, you talk all there. Well, here's what I've got to just give you one, just one quickie. Here's the one. Here's the one that changed my married life. This is the one that changed my married life. You say, was your marriage really as bad as you say it was? I don't want to talk about it. No two people ever hated each other like Gloria and I used to hate each other. She gave me plenty of reason to hate her, too. But I was too big a man to hate her as much as she deserved to be hated. And one day, one day I grew so much I accepted her like she was. Do you know what she did despite me? She changed. <laughs> you say, "Well, what what happened?" Well, who changed? Nobody changed. One day, Gloria began to read some of my favorite books, like Dr. A.W. Tozer. And today, because of this book, Tozer, who taught me to think in paradoxes, who taught me to think, today, Gloria lives and believes. More would I believe than I believe in myself. She humbles me to death. This is the book that taught Gloria and I. The secret to a, a happy marriage is not sex. It's not love. A little of that would be nice. <laughs> the secret to a happy marriage is... commitment. And you know what you discover after 20 or 30 years of commitment? You discover a thing called acceptance. You know what you discover after five or 10 years of acceptance? The thrill of getting to know somebody you lived with and slept with all those years and falling in love before you die. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you see, I've got to tell you this if your life is going to be tremendous, you ought to have a partner. And gals, if you're married to a man, that's tough. But if you got a man with drive, that's tougher. Sir, if you're married to a woman, that's tough. But if you're married to a woman with drive, that's tough. And you young ladies who aren't married today, let me tell you young ladies how to find the right man. Quit looking. There aren't any. Get somebody with pants on and pray. Now, I saved you a lot of time, I'll tell you that. Now, hey. Commitment, you know what commitment means? Commitment means learning to enjoy each other when you're apart. And so this is very seldom. I've been away nine days on this trip. I'm going to go fly home tomorrow. But every night I'm away, sometimes I, I've been so busy in church and colleges and civic groups and life insurance groups and speaking, I don't think I've been home more than 15 nights for dinner in any month in 37 years. And someone will say to me, well, how can your wife stay in you working like that? Well, I'll tell you how she stands it. She has no choice. We're married. Now, shut up. <laughs> because you see, because you see, friend, when you're committed, you start learning to enjoy each other being you're apart. And so last night, when I come back, came last night back from uh, Cleveland where I was yesterday. Last night, I opened up my shaving kit and I got out my love note. Every time I'm away, Gloria has a love note in my shaving kit. And when I leave to go away, when Gloria's making the coffee or getting ready to take me to the airport, I write her love notes and I put them on her pillow. And Jamie puts someone on at home. And so when Gloria turns down her bedspread that night to go to bed and I'm not in that bed, she'll find a love note from me telling her how I love her. Now, some woman will say to me, well, if my husband would do things like that, I would be happy too. Well, I say, you put up with him 35 years and he probably will because all i been doing is a couple of months of myself. <laughs> See? <laughs> you, you women, you're all alike. Well, folks, that's Please read. Don't read to be smart. Read to be real. Don't read to be big. Read to be down to earth. Don't read to memorize. Read to realize. Don't read to learn. Read sometimes to unlearn. And don't read a lot. Read just enough to keep yourself hungry and curious and getting younger as you get older. Read. When Jerry Jones was 14 years old, and there's a reading contract out there for you, I made him a deal. He wanted to buy a car when he was 16. I said, here's the deal. I'm going to pay you $10 for the books you read. Read a book, give me a book report, and I'll put $10 in a car fund. Give me another book report, $10 in a car fund. So in two years, if you read in style, you'll drive in style. But if you read like a bum, you're going to drive like a bum. Overnight, he developed a fantastic hunger for reading. (laughs) He read 22 books. Did he buy a car? No, he kept the money and used my car and my gas. (laughs) But, But folks, chapter six of my book is on... Jeffrey's Chapter 7 is on Jerry. When Jerry went to college, he wrote me a postcard every day for four years. You know what's on the cards? Thoughts from books I paid me to read in high school. Oh, God. Christine, my granddaughter's 12. She gave me five book reports for Christmas shopping money. The contract is laying out there on the table for you. In Fort Wayne, a man came to me and says, Mr. Jones, thank you for getting me a reading years ago because now my grandchildren, here's my record. Seven years, six grandchildren, 27,000 pages and 300 books. That grandfather did more with that piece of paper I leave with you today to make your life more tremendous than had he given each of them a million dollars. And remember, if you're going to have a tremendous life, you don't really, really, really need to laugh, you don't need to think. You know there's only one thing you've got to do to have a tremendous life. You know what it is? Sure you know. You've got to be learning to be thankful. Thankful. The first mark of greatness is thankfulness. The first sign of smallness is thanklessness, an attitude of gratitude flavors everything you do. When we eat at our house, we always give thanks, as this is the way we pray when we eat. Dear God, we thank you for this food, but, Lord, we want you to know if we had no food, we'd thank you just the same, because, God, we want you to know we're not thankful for just what you give us. We're thankful most of all for the privilege of learning to be thankful, for the privilege of just learning to be thankful. Thank you very much for a wonderful day, and I hope you get reading and sharing and thanking somebody for this wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com.